Hello and welcome to Spooptober on the Grindhouse Girls podcast. This month we'll be focusing on some Halloween films to Hallow stream this spooky season. But of course, we'll be discussing all things spooky, scary, and strange. As usual, we'd like to warn our listeners that some things that we discuss, due to their graphic nature, may be disturbing and listener discretion is advised. But for those of you who would like to be spooked out, keep listening and on to the podcast. Hello and welcome to Spooptober. Mwahahaha. <laughs> <laughs> um, hi, I'm Katie. And of course I'm Brittany. And we are starting Spooptober off. It's actually September when we're filming this. But we've decided to, we, we always film early, um, but we're starting the season early for us. It actually is very fallish today where yeah. we are in the south. There's a hurricane coming through. And so everything went down to like the 70s. And I was like, wow, just in time for spooky season. It's great. Yeah, it feels like fall outside. And of course, we are, we're talking about Hurricane Sally, which I think is funny because my mom's named Sally. So uh-huh. <laughs> I know. So it's like, yeah, but it feels great. Um you know, it, it's sad, though, because I always think about things like, I'm like, oh, my God, the weather's beautiful. It's rainy. It's a little cold. You just want to snuggle up with, like, a cup of tea or hot coffee. But then they did announce, of course, that one person's dead so far. Um, I hope it stays that one person. I hate that it was even one person. But there is a lot of damage. Yeah. Um, we yeah. also, I don't know how many viewers, uh, we have some friends and families in Oregon and Washington and California. And of course, we're thinking of our loved ones who are dealing with these horrific fires um, now too. This year, which we always joke about 2020, but this has been a hell of a year for sure. So. Yes, it's been quite the year, but at least we got to do the podcast this year. So that's good. But we are thinking and praying for our friends in Oregon and Washington and I do. I have some family in California, but they are not in California right now. Thank God. Um, Because California just every year, like they're always on fire and it's always like, well, at least there's one of the fires last year in California that was so bad. And one of the fires on the West coast this year, and I can't remember if it's in California or the one in Oregon, Washington um, was started by a gender reveal party using explosives to reveal the sex of a child or gender of a child. Uh, yeah, I don't understand why you need explosives, especially when you live in a part of the country that literally bursts into flames with like one little spark. Like, did yeah. we not remember last year and the year before with the wildfires on the West Coast? Come on, guys. The year I was um, in um, Oregon for one of my closest friends' weddings, one of my best friends' weddings was three years ago this past September. And, um, or well, in this past month, actually. And I know their fire, it was a devastating fire. I remember stepping off the plane and literally, I'm not even exaggerating, ash was falling from the sky like snow. It's, oh, God. Yeah. Those fires three years ago were caused by children playing with firecrackers in a dry season and a drought. Yeah, like we get drought warnings too in the summer. Like we don't really have droughts so much in the fall. I mean, there have been years where we have, but we haven't really had a big drought anytime other than the summer in a really long time in the South. Um, but I mean, you can't do fireworks. I remember there was one summer um when I was in college and there's like a big historical 
um, village near the college we went to. And my sister worked there. And so we would, she would always sing like the national anthem. So we would go hang out there and they had always a big fireworks display. Well, the, the drought was so bad. They were like, nope, you can't do fireworks. So they had a laser display. Oh, and honestly, cool. it was kind of fun. Yeah. It was that's pretty really cool. cool. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, yeah, okay. Honestly, I, I love I love fireworks. I do. Like I love watching fireworks on the fourth of July after a baseball game. It's I, I think they're gorgeous. But like also if there's a drought, like just do a laser show, guys. It's gonna be okay. Or like Animal Crossings had fireworks all August. That was fun. Like if you if you play Animal Crossing in August, you get fireworks shows every Sunday. Aww. And you can pick out your own fireworks shows. Mine included Coochie Copy from Bob's Burgers, Tina Belcher from Bob's Burgers, and Grumpy Cat. Aww. Also, the This Is Fine dog. Because somebody made a uh, a pattern for that. And I was like, yay! I think I also had Hello Kitty. I went very meme-tastic for my fireworks. I know we were talking about Funko Pops earlier. Did you see? Um, you may have saw, but they're releasing the This Is <gasps> Dog. Yes. Yeah. I saw that today. I, I meant to say that to you earlier when we were discussing it because I was like, "There's the, this is fine dog. I love that dog. And especially this year, um, I feel I feel very much like that dog. Uh, every time something has gone wrong, this, this week's been kind of rough for me, but every time something's gone wrong, I've been like, it's fine. This is fine. I am the dog in the fire and it's going to be okay, y'all. Uh, eventually, hopefully. Uh, we shall see. And then, of course, this week we had, like, bad luck with the podcast releasing it because we had an episode uh, that we recorded and then the recording got messed up and we were real sad about that. This one, it's been a fun week, y'all, but we're starting Spooptober off Ooh. as best we can with... Um, with with our first episode of Spooptober, which should go out, I think October seventh. I want to say. Um, so we do have rules. I wrote them down. There's not a lot of rules. They're and they're pretty. Um, they're pretty lax. But we're 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 doing we're trying something new this year, which is to say, for the first time ever, we're trying something new. So we're just trying something. It's fine. Um, the first rule is that. Both Britt and I are going to have a five movie list of Halloween themish movies that have to be available to stream. Uh, we're allowed one bonus movie um, that I, I mean, I'm going to say like maybe they're not streaming or maybe they're not particularly scary or both. I think that's okay if it's just like a fun one. Um, and then they have to be. The third rule is they have to be Halloween appropriate. <laughs> so they don't have to take place during Halloween, but they have to be thematic for a Halloween stream session or hello stream session, as I'm thought of this afternoon and giggled to myself maniacally. Um, and then also, so after I'm going to share my list this week, Britt's going to share her list next week. And then we have, we each have to pick a movie from each other's lists and I'll pick one from Britt's list uh, the next week. And then Britt will pick one from my list for our last week of Spooptober. And we'll review those like we normally do. But that way, hopefully, I know I tried to get some that I don't think Britt has seen. Woo! Some I think she has seen. But I, I, I picked at least three of them I think you have said 
you haven't seen yet, unless you saw it since the last time we talked about it. So hopefully we can um, get that. And I, I don't think, I was trying to get stuff too that like I didn't think would be on your list. Okay. It wasn't too obvious. So minor, uh, I'm calling it your top five spoopy movies to hallow stream this spooky season. So this is Katie's pick this week. So I'm, I'm kind of excited, mm-hmm. actually. So I guess let's start. Ooh. Which I, We're going to be sp- like light on the spoilers like this is more of just like a hey you should watch these movies not a full-on review because if we are going to review it we'll wait until the um the episode where we review it and we can review them at other times in the year if we want and some of these are on our list and some of them i don't think are so we'll see i feel like mine got really like like more fun spooky than like spooky spooky because I like, I do like scary, scary movies, but I also like, I'll always watch The Shining in October usually, although we just watched it recently because we did a review on it. But I, I tend to like, like movies that you can watch with a group of people without people getting too freaked out, but also has a lot of gore in it. Yeah. A lot of mine are like really gory, but not scary. I don't know. You be the judge of that, uh, our Grindhouse gals and pals. Uh, and Brit. Um, but my first one, number one, is a movie that um, I have had heard of for years and years and years and years and heard like that it was really creepy and scary and there was this one really scandalous scene in it. And it was definitely on the Bravo's top 100 scariest movie moments list. That list. Um, I love it too. I, a lot of like my favorite scary movies came from that list. Um, I don't think it's the scariest thing. But the one scene that everyone hinges on honestly is quite frightening and a real, it's, it's like an absurd scene, but like, it's also like, it's taking something that's real and scary and traumatizing, but putting this absurd bent on it. So it's like, it still makes you like, want to hide your face behind your hands and watch because it's just disgusting, but also like, kind of funny. I don't know how to put it. It has a very weird sense of humor. It is called The Reanimator. Oh, yeah. Or Reanimator from 1985. Yeah. And have you, have you seen it yet, Britt? I have. It's been a Okay. Hot... Okay. Yes. I thought you hadn't seen it. So I was like, ooh, I don't think she's seen this one yet. Uh, so I guess we can lightly talk about it. But basically, if you haven't seen Reanimator, it is loosely based on some H.P. Lovecraft stories. Um, basically... There's the medical department of Miskatonic University in Arkham, Massachusetts, which, yes, Arkham Asylum is named after Arkham, Massachusetts in the H.P. Lovecraft stories. Um, It basically gets turned upside down with the arrival of a strange and determined young student, Herbert West. Um, Herbert West is a very strange man, and he is absolutely obsessed with defeating death by using his reanimator solution. Um... Or substance. I don't remember what he calls it exactly. I just rewatched it this weekend. It's still great. Um, basically, he starts living with a promising young medical student, Dan. And uh, he kind of pulls Dan and Dan's fiance Meg, into his obsession, along with her father. And this creepy, plagiarist, predatory Dr. Hill, who is the main perpetrator of the creepy scene that I was referring to earlier. And I don't know. It's a fun movie. 
it's real fun and very campy. And um, Jeffrey Combs does a fabulous performance as Herbert West. It's very over the top. I don't think this movie would be that good if he wasn't the main character because he elevates it somehow. Um, and uh, Barbara Crampton, which I think we referred to her because she plays the mom in your next, but she was in From Beyond, I want to say is the next one that they did, which I've had the hardest time finding on streaming, um, but I've been wanting to watch for a long time. And Reanimator, she was in both of those, and she just gives like this really fearless performance. Like she's like full frontal nudity, like completely naked in this one scene, and it's horrific and awful. But you can tell that she's in control. And it, it doesn't, like, you see some B-movies, this is very much like a B-movie kind of thing, but a very good B-movie. Um, a lot of times, like, especially those, like, canon films, there'll be, like, weird rape scenes, and it's literally, they just want boobs in the movie, and that's why they have a rape scene. And it's really not okay, and you just feel, like, really uncomfortable about it. And this is, like, obviously, she was, like, like I don't know, she was okay with the the commitment to it and the nudity she had no problem with and you can tell she's not a victim of the movie being made and I think she has a really cool performance and she kind of makes this character that could be really boring like more interesting and uh I really like the guy that plays the creepy uh doctor like I don't like that character but he gives a good performance and uh they also completely um rip off the theme from Psycho ironically yeah if you listen to if you haven't seen reanimator in a while it's on hulu right now um definitely check out the beginning uh theme because it's basically a straight up straight ripoff of bernard herman's psycho theme i it's i some red letter media pointed that out in their review of it and i was like huh and i listened to it i was like yep it's basically the same thing like they changed like a couple a couple chords here and there, but it's pretty much the same. Um, but yeah, if you like, it's not really overly like Lovecrafty and like there's no Cthulhu or anything like that. But it is a very interesting like look at like weird science. But it, I mean, it's kind of scary. I don't know. Would you say it's scary, Brett? It's been a hot minute since I've seen it. Um, I remember when I was a kid, which I probably shouldn't have been watching this movie as a kid. But um, when I was a kid, yes, it did scare me very much so. I don't want to go into spoilers, but, like, yeah. Yeah, that, the, okay, the let's scene we were referring to. That let's just say, if you look at the poster, you know there's a disembodied head, because literally the poster is, yeah. The disembodied so, head. Yeah. Not- um, and I also, the other thing I love is that they use practical effects, and it's kind of funny, in some scenes, like there's a cat that gets reanimated. That's really early on, that's, so it's not really a spoiler. Scared me and it looks animated. like a puppet. Yeah, it looks like a puppet though. kids. I didn't see it until I was older. I didn't see the cat part until I was older. I had seen scenes that were blurred out on the Bravo Scariest Movie moments, but again, it was something I couldn't really find or get my hands on until I was older. So, yeah. And that's the thing. I feel like I may be misremembering this wrong, but when I was a kid, both my parents worked at Universal Studios, and I feel like there was a magic what, of the what? Future. Yeah, yeah. So I yeah, didn't know that. 
Yeah, um, they did. So we we would go to the theme park every day when we were kids because both our parents worked there. So we practically lived at the theme park. Um, for I'm the so first- jealous. <laughs> yeah, but all the rides I grew up on are gone. So like, um, Back to the Future is gone. The original Jaws ride is gone. The original King Kong ride is gone. Earthquake is gone. Um, so it's sad. A lot of the rides that we rode are no longer there. Um, but ET still is. Um, which is nice. Um, but yeah. They used to give out these um, videos because back in the day before YouTube was a thing, if you wanted to go to the theme park, but you didn't want to spend money or you didn't know, you're like, I don't know if I want to go Universal or not. That's a big trip for our family. They actually send you these videos for the mail that you would. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And it would be like an hour and they would tell you about the different attractions of the park. And I feel like there was a special effects workshop they used to talk about. And they showed scenes from Reanimator on that too, because some of the people that talked about special effects worked there and would have like audiences that they would be like, "How do for we your get- family?" Yeah, uh huh. Yeah, happy family enjoyment. Do you want to talk about a head literally giving head? Mm, oh, spoilers. Yeah, that's spoiler. not really spoilers. Um, that is a creepy scene, but I feel like it didn't ruin the first experience of watching it for me to know that was coming up it almost made me just i'm like when does that happen when does that happen when does that happen oh no 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 yeah nothing can prepare you for that scene but also it's kind of silly because you can tell you can tell it's a practical effect but i don't know i like it yeah exactly it's really really weird um so there is definitely like a shock value to it i do like to point out though that uh universal's always been kind of like yeah we can be Family, 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 friendly, but we're not Disney World, and that's why they have like the Halloween Horror Nights and everything too, which is yeah. really awesome. So, although they don't get to have them this year, which is they don't, season. which is sad because it's like the first time I think in like twenty eight years I want to say. So it's been going on yeah. for a while. Yeah, it's been a long time. Um, yeah, I have never gotten to go. I've always wanted to go to that. I have uh, one of my cousins just moved to Florida. She's always wanted to work for Disney. And she was like, it's my first time ever going to Universal because she's just gone to Disney her whole life. And I was like, yeah. She's like, I'm a Harry Potter world. I'm like, yeah. Um, yeah, I really like this movie with the gore aspects. It's very gory. Um, it's not for the faint of heart at all. Um, so don't think it, it is funny. Like, there's a lot of dark comedy and there's a lot of really good, like, one-liners. And, like, uh, <laughs> Cat Dead details later is really good line uh it's really funny um and then did you know that they actually turned this reanimator into a musical i did not know that apparently they did and i'm like hell yeah i would love to do evil dead the musical and reanimator the musical like i somebody somebody let us do that next year for halloween i would love to do or rocky horror I actually, somebody wanted me to, like, audition for Janet when I was 16 in Rocky Horror. And my mom was like, no. She's like, no, Katie, I just don't think, no. That's a it's a hard pass for me. You're too young. Maybe when you're 21, you could be in that show. But not at 16. You're in high school. You don't need to be running around in your underwear. So I, yeah, I really enjoy this movie. It's campy. And I think it's, like, it's spooky and it's gross. But also, like, I feel like it would be good to watch in a group setting because... Like, it, it is kind of funny, and I think some people would get grossed out. Yeah, it's yeah. very weird. It's not, it, it's uh, directed by Stuart Gordon, and uh, it's very weird. And I think, I feel like Stuart Gordon made a bunch of, like, really campy horror movies before with a lot of practical effects, like maybe Ghoulies, 
which I haven't seen, but I've heard Jay from Red Letter Media is always talking about it. Um, and like, I th- I'm pretty sure he did these like HP Lovecraft ones and then kind of like, I don't think the studio stayed around for much longer after that, which is kind of sad, but these, I feel like they were ahead of their time too. Like, I feel like somebody, it's kind of like, like, I think we've talked about how we both like did not like Cabin Fever, like the original one, because it was like trying too hard to be funny and like edgy. This movie's like edgy and funny, but like it does it well. And so like, I feel like movies like, Cabin Fever, the original one, at least. I haven't, I'm not going to see the remake because I didn't like the original one very much. I feel like movies like that are trying to do this, trying to be like gory comedies, but they're like just, they're trying too hard and it just doesn't work personally. I still don't understand why people liked Cabin Fever. I mean, my um, brother did when we were kids. I haven't asked him his opinion on it lately. I know he liked it when we were kids, but it could have been just the shock value of it. There's a lot of gross humor in it. I felt like it was a predecessor to some of the gore porn that we're now kind of used to, which I've never really liked myself. Like, yeah. Hostel and stuff. I've watched Hostel. Um, there's some... I there's didn't, some... It's too much. It's too much. Yeah. And not, like, there's not enough of a payoff. Like, like I mean, Midsummer is pretty rough, and so is Hereditary. But, like, there's a purpose to it. Yeah. And so, like, I, I, I'm not grossed out by it like yeah maybe I flinched a couple times but I'm not grossed out by it I'm just like oh god that's horrific but like when there's a purpose for it and it fits in the story and it moves the plot along cool but when it's just like gore for the sake of gore I don't like it like it just is annoying yeah yeah but anyways so that was my first one reanimator uh it is streaming on hulu right (laughs) now and I think or it has been streaming on Hulu. I know it's been streaming on Shudder as well. So definitely watch that one if you have the chance. And I guess we'll move on to movie number Dose. Dose. Or two. Yeah. Or. Uh, Zwei. 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 Yeah. Not dry. Zwei. And, um, d- and that's all the languages I know. So we got our German, French, and Spanish and English. And that's about it, kids. Um, the next one, I don't we, we might not talk about it too much because it's a horror classic. I had to have one classic on my list. I feel one like that, I feel like, yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Katie. I'm like, I'm feel like my list may be like 50% classics, just because come on, you gotta talk about the classics. That's good because I only listed like one classic in mine. Because, but I feel like people want to, like, hear us talk about the classics. And I do. I do. Yeah. But I just had to put this one in because, like, I don't I don't have to watch it every Halloween. But I feel like it's not Halloween without watching Halloween. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> like, I used to watch it every Halloween. Like, I would just have it playing in the background, like, whenever I'd have a Halloween party. I'm like, we have to watch Halloween because it's Halloween. And, you know, I love Halloween, 1978. I do not like the Rob Zombie remakes. Yeah. Sorry, Rob Zombie. John Carpenter's Halloween. Like, oh, my God. Like, this is, like, one of the original slasher flicks. Like, it's probably the first one that went, like, super mainstream. I think Texas Chainsaw may have predated it by a couple years. But this was the first one kind of set in, like, a suburban neighborhood, too. Yeah. Also, like, it's. 
it was just kind of a perfect storm of a movie too um because i mean we all know the story about how like they had a really crappy mask that um it was like a william shatner mask is the joke and they like basically just painted it white to make it look really creepy um and it was pretty like low budget the music john carpenter did the music for it um which is very basic but very scary much like the jaws theme like it's basic but it's really like it puts the fear into you immediately when you hear it and it's just like that heartbeat like duh, duh, duh. it's just, uh, it's really good but um i love it i love 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 halloween i love jamie lee curtis as laurie um i honestly do like a lot of the sequels i like the second one and i like h2o and i like the third one even though it has nothing to do with the main halloween story it wasn't supposed to be a like an ongoing michael myers saga it was supposed to be just like a scary halloween anthology series um but everyone liked michael myers as a villain and they were like let's keep doing that um and jamie lee curtis signed on for the second one uh, I think I've seen the fourth one too, and it was, eh. yeah, uh, it gets weird and culty, but not like good culty. Like it just gets really like over the top and silly as it goes on. But I do like H two O because it's kind of a return to its beginnings, but not really. But I don't know. I haven't watched the remake. I was afraid to watch it honestly because it was I'm, okay. It was okay. I mean, I wasn't, like, in love with it, but I wasn't completely disappointed by it. I don't think... What I really liked about the remake is, um, well, I like it, but I think it's the same thing that may have alienated a lot of fans. It's so, in the original Halloween movie, Michael Myers is essentially just stalking Lori and her friends. And I think maybe the original title for it may have been, like, The Babysitter Killers. I want to say I've read that. I think so. Yeah. And so, they decided in the second movie that, well, actually... Lori is Michael Myers' little sister, and after he murdered their big sister, which, spoiler, is the opening scene of the original Halloween. He's yeah. a child that murders his older oh. sister. Yeah. Can we talk about the opening scene? Yeah, Because it's iconic. classic. Oh, yes. my God. I can't. There are so many people who have parodied that, too, and I just love it so much. Every time somebody parodies the opening scene from Halloween, I'm just like, yes, more. Give me more. It's great. But, yeah, like, they turn her into his sister. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of a weak spot, but also, yeah. ah, I get it. Okay. What I liked about this remake that came out like two years ago is that they're just like, you know what? Scrap the, the original fucking storyline. We're going to pretend these last 10 movies didn't happen. I'm just kidding. It wasn't 10, but it's been like seven. Um, and they're like, well, if you count all the Jason or uh, Michael versus whatever, I guess they didn't do that. Maybe they just did Jason versus Freddy. Honestly, they were supposed to do a Michael versus Jason versus Freddy that never came to fruition. The reason I know my Damn. brother big Jason Voorhees fan, Brandon, he's, he has a Jason tattoo. No um, <laughs> lie about Jason. Um, I, I think, uh, <laughs> well, I won't spoil Friday the 13th for anyone, the original, but I think there's another person that scares me more in that movie than Jason. Yes. But what they did with this remake a couple years ago, they decided that they were going to scrap the last 20 years and they were going to remake a direct sequel to the first movie and that Lori and Michael aren't related. And she hasn't seen Michael since he was caught. He was put in asylum, but she's kind of become this extremist. Like she's like a marksman and everything. And she's like a survivalist. She got her house booby trapped and all kinds of shit because she's just waiting for him to come back. Like the trauma of the incident has scarred her her entire life. And she's just waiting for him. 
yeah is interesting but yeah. i feel like happen it happening one time i don't know if you would go that extreme and there are a lot of survivors of horrific situations that they don't go that extreme yeah you know uh but yeah i mean i would i do want to see it i just i was very disappointed in the rob zombie ones very yeah. disappointed um because they're not everyone they're not good they're bad <laughs> I, I hate saying it like that. I just feel like they're bad. They're badly I, made. And he's an exploitive director. Exploitative director. He's terrible because I think I've told you this, Britt. Like, I had me and my friend Elizabeth were watching it, the first one. And there's just this, like, random rape scene. And it's just like a canon film where it's just like, let's just have a rape scene. Just because yeah. want to have one. And I'm like, it doesn't make sense. Like... It doesn't make any sense, and you're just doing it to be exploitative. Although this is the same person who d did Devil's Rejects, which is very exploitative yeah. and very, like, pointless violence. So I don't know why I'm surprised. I do think it's interesting. I thought it was interesting to flesh out his background at first, but then I think they fleshed it out too much. Yeah. And it's not scary. It's definitely more of an origin story. And that's why it's not going to be... I do have... Um, so I believe my brother's a fan of the Rob Zombie remakes. And I do have like a few friends that love the Rob Zombie remakes. Um, I thought they were okay. They were a decent watch. I think the rape scene you're talking about happens, I want to say, in the second movie. If I'm remembering correctly. I and thought it was the first one. Maybe it it's was. In I the asylum. In asylum. Yeah. And yeah, I, I think and I, it's been a long time. I wonder if that's almost like a trademark because I feel like a lot of like, because, you know, you saw so much of that in the 70s. And it's like, I don't understand if directors are like trying to pay homage to those films that were those kind of, um, what the hell am I thinking of? What's the genre that homage. they're... Yeah, yeah, like they, they, they oh, exploitation movies, yeah. exploitation, yeah. exploitation yeah. movies. There's a whole bunch of exploitation movies. There's a whole genre, and in some ways, I like them because it depends on how they were made too. Like, yeah. there's I still need to watch it. It's on my Netflix list. There's a movie that Eddie Murphy stars as Rudy Ray Moore, who was a king of black exploitation movies. He was just amazing. Also, please tell me if we're not using that term anymore but i to me I, I think that is an industry term black exploitation i'm pretty sure is an industry term but if if i'm using that incorrectly please please correct me i'm a stupid little girl just please correct me <laughs> we all can be educated from time yeah to time. so let me know um but rudy ray moore did like uh disco godfather and um dolomite and the movie that is a biopic of him. It's kind of a comedy biopic is Dolomite is my name, which was on Netflix. I still need to watch it. It's on my list. I will watch it. I will watch it. Cause I've heard really good things about it. Um, but like he knew what he was doing. Like it wasn't like he was like an ignorant person. Like, Oh, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just like a victim. No, he knew he was doing an exploitation movie. He knew he was going over the top and crazy and he was having fun with it. Those kinds of exploitation movies. I'm like, cool. But then there's other ones where it's just like, we're not going to tell these actresses that they're basically in softcore porn, but we're going to exploit them. Like, those are the ones that I, like, feel really uncomfortable about because I can tell, like, these people are, are uncomfortable. Like, it's like the Barbara Crampton scene in Reanimator. You know that she knew what she was getting into, and she almost welcomed the opportunity to do such a interesting and daring role. Yeah. Um, 
she wasn't being exploited. She was completely 100% in control. She accepted the part. Um, but there's other movies where you can just tell, like, people don't feel comfortable. Yeah. Like, the way they're portrayed. And I get that vibe from Rob Zombie. I don't think he's a bad person. I just feel like... I get this dirty vibe from him. Like, just nasty vibe. Like, in I his movies. Like that's what he sets out to do, though. Is like he I was- guess. He wants to get you, like, talking and stuff. Like, he wants Yeah, but he makes me just want to go take a shower and go to sleep when I get yeah. home and cry. shock factor. Like, I feel like that's the kind of, that's the, sh- he has, like, a shock factor. Especially, like, The Devil's Reject ha- has a lot of shocking moments to it, I feel. Yeah. I mean, and I haven't, I honestly haven't watched all of it. I've read a lot of, like, scripts of it and things, because I was just, like, I had a friend who, like, he was like, I walked out of that movie in high school. And again, I went to Catholic school, and they were super Catholic, so maybe it was just they were sensitive. I was but I was like, I was never, reading through it, and I was like, oh. I never walked out of a movie, but I can't imagine paying like thirteen dollars for something and not finishing it either. So it might have been at the dollar movie theater. This was oh. when I was in high school, so yeah, you know, it was only like eight dollars, so not that big of a deal. <laughs> uh, I guess eight dollars was basically thirteen dollars in early two thousands money, though. Um. But no, and if you if you haven't heard of Halloween, I don't know how you haven't, but basically the plot is the unsuspecting town of Haddonfield receives an unpleasant visit from the prodigal son, Michael Myers, 15 years after murdering his sister on Halloween night. A group of babysitters and their charges, led by the sweet but smart Lori, try to escape the never-ending horror. It's basically just a slasher film where a creepy guy stalks a bunch of babysitters and one... Very attractive boy that Lori has a crush on named Ben Trainer, who I think gets killed in the second one or the first one. Like, he's the guy that, like, puts on the same mask as Michael Myers, and they think it is Michael Myers in oh. one of the edits or something. But it's like, he's not Michael Myers. He's just happened to be wearing the same Halloween mask from the same Halloween store. It's like, oh, shit. Oh, no. Or he causes a car wreck or something. I don't know. It's been a long time. It's been a full year since I've seen Halloween, so... I don't want to overwatch it since I usually watch it once every I don't Halloween. I feel like season. that's the first movie. It must be. In the, it's been a while since I've seen the second, but I I saw the first movie. I think at least six or seven times at this point, and I actually I love telling this story, even though it's not my story. It's my mom's story. So my mom was actually a freshman in college when Halloween came out, and she went and saw it, and she was so scared. Like she was like, "Oh my yeah. god, I can't tell you how badly this movie scared me." She went home and hid all the knives under her bed. I mean, I don't really blame her. <laughs> and I always think about that. I was like, wow. Like, I mean, because nowadays, like, there's things in horror movies that we don't consider shocking. But to our parents, they're like, what the hell is happening? Like, you know. I mean, there's also something really frightening about Halloween. Because it is like, there's no reason for him to be hurting these people. To like, they have no like. There's no reason, and that's why I think turning Lori into his sister kind of takes the scariness away. Because it's like, well, that's why he was going after her friends. It's like, no, like it's scarier when you just don't have any idea why they're stalking you. That's really scary. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and I think that's why it scared a lot of people, and it it did kind of usher in this slasher flick era. But it's such a good slasher flick. I mean, I love it. I think it's great. I don't even know how many times I've seen it. I do really like the second one. It's a lot sillier and over the top. And there's a lot more, like, weird scenes with, like, stupid characters. Like, there are quirky characters in the first Halloween movie, but nobody's, like, stupid. I just remember there's, like, one orderly and his nurse girlfriend. And, like, they get into, like, a hot tub. 
in the hospital. I think it's supposed to be like a therapeutic tub or something, but they're like in a hot tub and somebody gets murdered and there's a lot of explosions and it's over the top, but I, I do like the second one too. Um, and yeah, but again, definitely, definitely watch Halloween. It's streaming on the shutter app or I have it as an add on for my Amazon prime. So it's for sure streaming there, but I'm sure a lot of people probably have it. And it, it usually plays on a lot of different, um, uh, stations and cable TV shows this time of year. So hopefully it'll stream somewhere else. Is there anything else you want to say about Halloween without ruining too much stuff? Oh, no. I mean, it's just awesome. I, I would think anyone who probably listens to this podcast has, like, more than likely seen this movie. But if you, if on the off chance you haven't, and I'm wrong, please go watch it. It is a classic. Um, it's one of those movies that I'm pretty sure my nephew, who's 13, has seen. Is, if he hasn't, we will definitely be introducing it to him very soon. So, right. and that's so, the, I mean, it's, it's not the scariest thing. It is scary, but it's not terribly inappropriate for children yeah I mean, not children like 13 year olds yeah, yeah exactly so i mean the thing is it's violence but like most scary movies at the time it's not a lot of blood right. it's violence but not a lot of blood i honestly think it's creepier though than like texas chainsaw massacre when i finally saw texas chainsaw massacre i was like it was still interesting to watch but it wasn't as horrific as i thought it was gonna be i don't know if it's just because i was older yeah. But it, uh, you know, but there's not a lot of blood in Texas Chainsaw Massacre either. It's kind of the, that same vein of slasher movies. Yeah, like, different. Like it's a different set of circumstances, but it's kind of like that same like '70s teenagers get killed by some weird mask man. It's just one guy has a Halloween mask and one guy has a mask of flesh. And if you watch the third Halloween movie, there's a whole thing with haunted masks. And I honestly really like the third Halloween movie. Um, it's very interesting and it is not happy at all. Doesn't have like a really good happy ending at all. I don't remember. Um, and my uh boyfriend at the time could not listen to the happy, happy Halloween, Halloween song without like getting a panic attack after he saw it. Like it really freaked him out. And yeah, I was like, is it really that scary? It's just a song, it's just a movie. It's just a movie, it's gonna be okay. Um off subject, on subject, the, I will say the one thing I really like about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is that, and one of the reasons I would consider heavily putting it on my list is that it's also uh, very smart because, of course, it's a, um, it's, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like, this is what happens. Like, the great thing about recording at night, we have playing time. The other thing about recording at night, it's like my brain starts to shut down. Um, it's basically this, uh, it's kind of talking about the meat industry for one and two is talking about the Vietnam war. So there's all these like, yeah, it's like a, the Texas chainsaw massacre is a slasher movie, but there's all these really great undertones in it too, which I always thought was really neat. Yeah. And there's also, th there's another movie, which I'm sure you've seen, which actually I like the remake of surprisingly. I didn't think I would last house on the left. Oh yeah. Um, is very much, a, it's, it's super violent the original one but it's very much a commentary on the vietnam war yeah and it is interesting it is kind of like campy at the beginning like there's there's like a whole like sequence where they're like i feel like they're trying to rape people yeah or like having sex in a car but there's like silly music going on and i'm like what the fuck's happening and then it gets real dark um but it is it, it, i would call that an exploitation movie but when i finally saw it i was like 
Interesting enough, The Last House on the Left is also based on a short story that I believe was written in the 1600s. Interesting. If you can believe that, it's an Italian short story. It's called The Something Springs. But yeah, I... I Oh, The Virgin Spring? It may be The Virgin Spring. But yeah, I always found that was fascinating, that something like that was actually based on a story that was written... Yeah, literally hundreds of years before that movie was ever. There's a, there's a 60s movie called The Virgin Spring. Yeah, and maybe um, it's based on The Virgin Spring, and then The Virgin Spring is based on that sh- story. No, yeah, it, it's a very similar story. Basically, Violet. like, Violet. yeah, it's a Swedish story. Ingmar Bergman did the did the 1960 movie of it. Um, but I, I think you're right. I think it is kind of loosely based on it, too. And that's a Wes Craven film, by the way, if you've never seen, whatchamacallit, Last House on the Left. Also, like, almost everybody who was in Last House on the Left was just, like, a random person. There weren't any, like, serious actors in it, which I find, it makes it almost scarier because it seems like it could be, like, a snuff film because it's not anyone recognizable. Yeah. Yes, it is. It is inspired by the movie version of The Virgin Spring, which was based on the ballad Torres... Dotrar Ivanga? I don't know Swedish. Um, There's umlauds on it, though, so I'm trying to pronounce it the way German uses umlauds, and I'm probably doing it incorrectly. So, uh, but yeah, Swedish stuff is very dark. I forget how dark Swedish stuff is. I'm like, dang. Like, maybe it's because, like, it gets dark half the year and light half the year up in the northern part of Europe, maybe it's just like they don't get enough sleep and it just gets to them. I don't know, kids. But, uh, yeah, I, I like it. Yeah, so those are, I mean, I'm not, those aren't, that's not in my top list, but um, I will tell you what my next one is, which is a much newer movie. Numero Trace mm. would be a movie I just saw for the first time this last year, but had been wanting to see for years and years and years. Um... It's a movie that came on the heels of the grungy 90s. It's about two death-obsessed sisters who discover oh. the horror of puberty with a side of lycanthropy. Ly- lycanthropy? Lycanthropy. Um, and it's called Ginger Snaps, and it was released in 2000. Yes. An excellent year for, like, 90s horror. I think 99 and 2000 had a lot of, like, real interesting movies because people were either trying to release it before the millennium or, like, they were working on it in 99 and then they released it in 2000. Like, American Psycho, I feel like, is it 99 Uh, 99. or 2000? Yep. And so is Fight Club. 99, yeah. Boondock Saints, 1999. (gasps) Oh, God, I love Boondock Saints. Anyways, Ginger Snaps is, like, a Canadian horror movie, and it's about these two sisters who are kind of grungy, gothy... Their names are Ginger and Bridget. They're, like, kind of losers. And they probably really like the song Creep by Radiohead. One of my favorites as well. And uh, they wear... They're into the macabre because they take pictures of themselves dying and gory pictures of themselves all the time. Like, that's their hobby is taking gory pictures of each other. And, like, like posing like they're dead and then just taking pictures to freak people out. And they use it for, like, a class project. And one of them simultaneously, which I always thought this was weird because, like, most people don't hit puberty at 15 and 16. But the older sister doesn't get her period until she's 16. And she simultaneously gets her period and then is attacked by a werewolf on the same night. So it's this great 
juxtaposition. And it was written by a woman, uh, Karen Walton, and then a man, John Fawcett, and John Fawcett directed it. Um, but it kind of uh, parallels becoming a werewolf with becoming a woman. Yeah. And puberty and how, like, I'm sorry, puberty for girls is gross. Like, it's rough. Like, it's awful. Like, and they do this great scene where the school nurse, like, talks about, like, how the uterine lining, like, breaks down. And it's real graphic. And she's just like, happy playing. Give some condoms and stuff. It's just very much like, oh, that's disgusting. But it's like, yeah. I mean, you get used to it when you're a girl because you have to. But, like, yeah, it's really gross. And it's a very interesting way to look at puberty. Um, there are some questionable things in this movie. Mostly, there's some weird lesbian overtones, which wouldn't be a bad thing if they weren't sisters. Yeah. Like, there's the scene where, like, she's trying to, like, cure her sister with silver. And I I thought it was weird, but I didn't really get what a couple reviewers were saying, where it's, like, basically she's giving her sister an orgasm. I'm like, I don't, I don't think that's what they meant. But oh, a lot of people... Saying, belly button piercing? Yeah. Okay. A lot of people apparently have taken it that way. I didn't really take it that way. Maybe because I, I have a sister. Yeah. And interesting. I didn't feel like that. I didn't get that sense at all. I guess because she's like, moaning in pain. I feel like it's emotion. Me personally, without spoiling, I feel like it's a very emotionally charged ending. I think it's like one of those endings that like you feel bitter and heartbroken at the end of the movie. Yeah. And I... You know, being a little sister, I'm a middle child. My older sibling is my sister. Um, seeing your older sib- sister, I guess with boys, it's probably the same thing. Grow up and grow apart is always really hard. Um, and there's definitely some growing pains. Like being a little sister and seeing my sister do things that maybe I don't approve of for myself. And trying to figure out that, hey, everybody's path is different. And you can't fault somebody for choosing a different path than you. That's a hard journey that I think a lot of younger siblings go through. And puberty itself really sucks. And going through trying to discover who you are as a teenager. High school sucks. And yeah. I really got the feeling in that movie. Like, I'm like, they get it. High school's terrible. Yeah. And not only that, but the girls also, like, it's one thing. So I don't know if you and you and were like this. But usually, like, you may share a few friends or you may have your own group of friends and then your older sibling may have their own group of friends. But like, if you only have each other and you don't really have friends outside each other and suddenly your sister gets a bunch of friends that you're not allowed to hang out with or they don't want you to hang out with them. Yeah. yeah. We more shared friends than anything else. We only yeah. had a couple instances of like, you can't hang, you can't sit with us to call yeah. me girls. Like, because, like, sometimes you just want your own friends. I'm, I'm kind of glad we, we became more independent of each other earlier, I think, than probably some siblings would be. And then, honestly, we were kind of, we kind of fought all through high school. And then when we hit college, when she lived two hours away from me, we became a lot closer. Um, yeah. I've, I've learned to be my sister. I love my sister. I love her dearly. But we always work better when we don't live in the same house <laughs> which is just that's just how we were and we we clashed a lot so but I I I remember feeling left behind by my sister because like she was doing stuff and I was two years behind her but close enough that I was still seeing everything or like you know when your sibling hangs out with kids that you don't like or like you don't trust and you're just like why are you hanging out with those people they're awful like, that's a whole thing in this movie where, like, the one sister kind of 
starts dating, but not in like a smart way, <laughs> like in a really stupid way, <laughs> starts dating. Um, and uh, it's interesting, but it's it's very interesting, especially if you like the goth chick 90s scene. If that's if if 90s grunge is like very nostalgic for you, although I guess this was more 90s goth. It wasn't quite the emo scene yet. Um, emos hadn't taken over yet. Um, early 2000s. Yes. I don't think they really took over till I was probably in like seventh or eighth grade. I want to say the emo scene. I would say probably freshman, sophomore years when I really started taking scenes. Yeah. And you're ahead of me a year. So, yeah. Yeah. I think eighth or ninth grade was when boys started asking me where I got my pants so they could find some skinny jeans. The first time I was, it was, it was me and my friend Julia were shopping in a mall. And this guy who worked at Hot Topic was like, where'd you get your pants? And we we're like, American Eagle. So I remember going into Hot Topic when I was literally like eight or nine years old. My brother's been a metal kid his whole life. He was into new metal when he was like literally like a nine or 10 year old kid. He had like horn albums. He actually had a Rob Zombie shirt that said something explicit on it. It was like something, something motherfucker. And I remember a lady coming up to my mom and she was like, you let him wear that shirt? And because he was like 10 years old. And oh she no, like, what? Yeah, and my mom was like, well, she's like, he likes the band. I'll let him be an individual, which is something I can always say for my mom. Not everyone yeah. agrees with her parenting style, but she always was supportive of the music. At least she's and honest, though. Her kids yeah. are honest with her. That's a good thing. Yeah. Like, I, I feel like if you're honest with your parents, if just because I wouldn't approve of something doesn't mean it's wrong. And yeah. I always appreciate honesty between parents and kids more than anything else. My mother literally was the type of person that went to anime conventions because I wanted to go to anime conventions. And she's like, I'm not going to let you go with, to one by yourself, but I'll go with you. And she walked around. Yeah. And would take a, me with me. My parents would go to musical theater with us. We'd go see. I mean, my mom and dad like musicals. Yeah. They're definitely not as obsessed as I am with musicals. But they would, they would take us to things. They would let me go to, like concert festivals but they would be like but we're gonna meet you in an hour yeah because we don't we want to make sure like enough distance far away or they would make sure we were going with other parents like i saw nickelback with my friends valerie and kate um but also their parents so or valerie's parents and then we saw some 50 year olds dry humping and we were very disturbed we were like in seventh grade we were like okay i don't understand like Yes, I saw Nickelback in concert. I have been cursed. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Actually, it was when Nickelback was like real cool and everyone liked Nickelback. Yeah. So I was. I also saw Blues Traveler, Alice Cooper once. That was fun. And anyways, uh, those are like 2000s fans. That's not even like yeah, this. All classic. But this is more I, like, well, I guess no Nirvana was dead by the, or not Nir yeah. Kurt Cobain was dead, but yeah. Nirvana was over by this point. But everyone I, was still loving him. Yeah, I think Kurt Cobain passed away in 95, if, I want to, if I'm thinking right. But no, what I was going to say with Hot Topic, so I was going to Hot Topic as a kid. I literally remember when they burnt incense inside the Hot Topic stores. Oh, yeah. Heavy metal, like fresh metal, and they sold manga. They literally sold like Sailor Moon comics. That was a thing, like in the 90s. Yeah, I don't, That must be where everyone got their Sailor Moon comics. Because I had some, like, friends. That was probably the first anime, like, manga I saw. Was I had a, fr a friend that was in Girl Scouts with me. And she, like, would bring her Sailor Moon comics to uh, 
our camping trips and stuff. Actually, we were like in a cabin, so it wasn't really camping at that point. This specific trip, we were like in Atlanta in like this really nice cabin situation. So it was like it was like air conditioned and heated. So it was like really nice. Um, but I was like, oh, this is interesting. I don't really understand how this is your daughter, but you don't know her yet. And this is your husband, but you're not married yet. And I'm a little confused with that. But, you know, I'm going to read it. It's cool. Yeah, a lot of time traveling in Sailor Moon. I'm like, all right, cool. But yeah, Ginger Snaps, it's subversive. It's edgy. It is It is kind of stupid, um, but not in like a bad way. Like, I feel like it's good stupid, like entertaining stupid. And it gets pretty gory. Yeah, it it's does. It's quite the werewolf film. I would say it's more along the lines of an American werewolf in London. Yeah, that's the first one. American werewolf in London more that vibe but maybe less i mean it's kind of funny it, it it gives me some like 90s like stop harshing my buzz man kind of yeah. vibes like <laughs> which is a good it's good but no one's quite wearing the tattoo necklaces yet everyone's still wearing just chain necklaces so you know if if you know if you know you know you know yeah and you and have to probably be in your late 20s early 30s to know yeah, and well, now the tattoo necklaces are back. I bought one at like Target the other like a year ago. I was like, oh, they're still making these. I bought that and a bunch. And scrunchies are back. Thank well, God, I missed. I was say uh, it's going to be an unpopular opinion, but the '90s are back, and I'm not the biggest fan. Oh, I love the '90s. I am so excited about the '90s. I hate the '80s, fashion-wise. And see, I'm more of a '60s and '40s girls. If we're talking, oh no, about- I love '60s and '40s. No, mm-hmm. no, I love vintage. I love vintage. I even love 70s. 80s? Oh, no. That's a hard pass for me. Late 90s? Awesome. Early um, 2000s gets the little Xenon girl of the 21st century, and we made a lot of mistakes with a lot of, like, silvers and, like, that 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 cream shadow that was just, like, white with, like, a little bit of blue in it. Like, I cannot tell you how many times I wore, like, baby blue eyeshadow out of the house. Like, that was the dumbest thing ever. I remember buying... A cover girl baby blue eyeshadow palette and like oh my god I'm so cool and then like looking at pictures later and I was just like wow that's just really not a good color on anyone at all the only kind of like late 90s fashion I really like is like Charlotte York in Sex in the City and even then her wardrobe is kind of timeless looking so it's 90s oh, yeah. but it has Hers a lot more Audrey Hepburn mm-hmm, exactly yeah. I like that like that's the kind of I love vintage aesthetic, but if I'm like going casual, it's gonna be '90s casual. But oh, '80s, I don't like enough. '80s. I don't like '80s fashion. I, there's not a whole lot of '80s that I'm like, oh, I love that dress. I'm like, eh, that's disgusting. I don't like it. I'm sorry. 80s. I do like how it's like fun colors, but it wasn't used very well. Yeah, there were fu- fun colors, you know, in the '60s. We used they used it well. I don't know what it was about the '80s. I just was not the haircuts myself. Oh, yeah, the hair's awful. But I don't know. I think it is 90s nostalgia, too. Mm-hmm. You know, chunky shoes. I love chunky shoes because they're comfortable. You have little feet. They don't look good when your feet are huge. I, I mean, they're eight and a half. Is that little? I, to me, yes. <laughs> well, I mean, mine's eight and a half is average, like, yeah. which sucks because when you're like an eight and eight and a half, everybody has that shoe size. So you can't always find really cute shoes if you want to look at like, TJ Maxx like you can look out but usually they're kind of picked clean whereas yeah. like you go to like the 10s or like the 5s 
and you're like, oh my God, look at these cute shoes that are too big or too small for my feet. So I'm at 11 and most, most places stop at 10s. Yeah. I mean, I've seen some 12s in TJ Maxx, but they're like in with the 10s. Yeah. Um, anyways. The next movie, I don't know. I feel like Britain, oh, Ginger Snaps is on Shutter, right? By the way, yes, Ginger Snaps is on Shutter. Yes, wait, I had that written down. I did write it down, but I wrote it down a different part that I put my notes on. Yes, and Prime with ads. Oh, okay. So if you have just Prime, it's also available with ads. Good to know. So I was like, oh, because it was just on Shutter. I think the first time I watched it was like April of this year. Because we had mentioned it on, like, one of the first podcasts. And then I was like, oh, I should. W- it's on Prime. I'll watch it. Or it's on yeah. Shudder. By the way, I'm sure if you're, like, a horror fan, you probably have Shudder. Yes. Probably. I mean, I was excited that that was available. Because they have a lot of really good horror movies on there. Um, okay. The next movie, Numero Quattro, um, is one I'm. Unless Britt's seen it since the last time we talked about it, I don't think you've seen it because I feel like I mentioned it and you were like, oh, but I don't know. It's an homage to horror movies. Okay. And it's a 2006 movie, I do believe, and it's called Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. Oh, no, I haven't seen that one. It, I, okay, I cannot remember which of my sorority sisters said, hey, let's watch this movie when I was living in the dorms when I was a freshman. Cannot remember, but we were all in one of our one of our rooms. Somebody had like a big room and they had like two twin beds together. So we're all like hanging out in their room watching this movie. And it is funny, but also kind of, it turns legit into a slasher film at the end. Um, and basically it's about a young naive filmmaker whose name is Taylor. Taylor. She's a girl. Girl Taylor, not boy Taylor. Um, And along, she has a crew, a camera crew of two guys, Doug and Todd. They befriend this charming and seemingly mentally stable man named Leslie Vernon. He kind of reminds me of Sean from Boy Meets World. He's got that kind of look, like early 2000s, like cute boy kind of look. They agree to document his process as he prepares to return to his ancestral home of Glen Echo and begin his reign of terror as a slasher. Oh my god. So like, so it's very, it's obviously, I do believe, influenced by the Blair Witch Project because it's a mockumentary. It starts out as a mockumentary. Um, The cool thing is there's parts where they film it like a slasher movie, but there's also parts where they film like a mockumentary. So it's a little bit like it'll shift into like a horror movie. And it was a very cheaply made independent movie. Um, They filmed it in, like, the West Coast, like, Washington, Oregon. I think they filmed it in Oregon. Um, So it's, like, very folly. Like, like it's it's in October. Like, there's leaves, and it's all misty and rainy, and everyone's in sweaters the whole time. And it was written and directed by Scott Glosserman and David J. Steve, S-T-I-E-V-E, also helped write it. And, uh... I love it. There's a lot of homages to like Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween, Friday the 13th. The opening monologue is Taylor like acknowledging the fact that all these, those movies really happened in real life. It's like an alternate universe kind of thing. She's like, the town of Haddonville, Crystal Lake, we've all heard these stories, but what goes into these reigns of terror? And so like, it starts off like, 
they're not really sure if this guy's legitly gonna murder people and he might be crazy and they're gonna film this documentary about it um but it gets closer and closer to being realer and realer and then they kind of get involved with it and they kind of like bond with him but then they have to make a choice where do we help him or do we help the people he's about to terrorize but there's a lot of like jokes about horror movies in it and it does legitly turn into a slasher flick at the end um and robert england has a cameo as doc ah. holleran ah he's obviously a shining reference and also zelda rubenstein from poltergeist and one of my personal favorites teen witch uh she's also in it as a cameo so they have a lot of really cool like cameos and references to horror movies, like real ones. Um, and it's legitly like the guy who plays the Leslie Vernon. He's pretty funny and charming. Also, um, the guy that played. Oh, shit. What is his name? From The Walking Dead. It's the. Oh, it starts with an H. It's the guy who had the farmhouse. Oh, Herschel. Herschel, who is the actor has since passed away and I cannot remember his name, but he's a really good actor. He's in this movie too as Leslie's um mentor. Oh. So uh it's very and there's a lot of like talk about like the imagery of horror movies and like symbolism in horror movies and like what a final girl is and or he he calls her survivor girl, but you know, it, it's very good. It's on Amazon Prime right now. Um, and it's also on Shutter. I I own it too because like I saw it in Second and Charles years later. I was like, oh, it's that movie, and it's it's very funny. Um, but I like it. It's very Halloweeny because it's very much like like it's just fall and like it's like kind of scary but kind of funny. And it's making if you know horror movies, you'll love it. Yeah, definitely. Um, and if you like The Walking Dead, Herschel is in it. So. Not dead. He's alive. Um, exactly. Spoilers. Um, I think that's... I don't want to get into spoilers with this movie because I didn't know what I was getting into when I watched it the first time and was pleasantly surprised. And it was one of those movies I was like, what a neat, nice little gem of an early 2000s horror movie. It's very early 2000s humor, though. Um, it's just a good old-fashioned slasher movie, but making fun of slasher movies. I highly recommend. Highly recommend. It, it honestly, I, I love it. And it's on Amazon Prime right now and Shudder, at least. I know it's been on Netflix, I'm pretty sure, before, too. Um, and the last movie I have, I, I, I think hardly anyone has seen, ever. Um, and I love it. And it's a musical. I know it is already. <laughs> Wait, you know what it is? Yeah, what, yes. we've talked about it a few different times. I've talked about it so many times. Yeah. <laughs> And I rewatched it again. It is on Shutter right now, but the first time I watched it, I found the DVD in Second and Charles because somebody on Red Letter Media uh, mentioned it, and I was like, "Wait, that's a real movie!" And Brian De Palma directed it. What the hell? It's Phantom of the Paradise. Yes, it's great. It's great. I. Uh, it's so. If you like Rocky Horror, this actually came out a year before Rocky Horror the movie came out. But it was actually, it, it predates Rocky Horror, the writing of it. Because Brian De Palma wrote it in the 60s and was going to produce it in the 60s and then put it off. And then Rocky Horror, the play, came out the year this came out as a movie. And it was a complete and total flop in the theaters. And it's a tale of Faust, 
and it also has the fan of the opera in it um it also has um the picture of dorian gray thrown in there frankenstein the edgar Allan poe cask of amontillado amontillado thank you uh and the film the cabinet of dr cal is it calgary or caligari caligari i think you know the one you've seen the picture with the guy and the oh cabinet. yeah it's a classic yes there's a there's a music group in this that has the makeup of those people in that movie like it's got all these cool references to all these things but basically it's like it is a rock opera but it's kind of a funny campy one like rocky horror and i think that's why i like it i'd never heard of it until i saw this rather media episode i watched it i feel like we watched suspiria the same night like the original one and Jessica Harper is in both of these movies. Jessica Harper sings in this movie. Although Betty Buckley, the Broadway actress who also played the gym teacher in Carrie after being in helping with this movie, um, she did some of the vocals too for this movie in some of the scenes. But I'm pretty sure Jessica Harper really does sing because she also was in the sequel to Rocky Horror, which I own but haven't watched yet, called Shock Treatment. Um, this movie, though, it's campy, it's colorful. It's just a fun romp, and it is is like a horror comedy drama. It's kind of a tragedy. Um, and basically, there's this um, man, Winslow. He's a composer, and he writes this cantata, this rock cantata about Faust and this um, evil music producer, um, Swan, basically tells him that he wants to buy his music then actually steals his music and is casting a singer and Winslow shows up and meets this beautiful girl who's played by Jessica Harper called Phoenix. And um, she, and he, like he, she's kind of like his muse now, but then Swan basically frames him and sends him to prison for life. And he'd be in, in a series of unfortunate events, he gets disfigured and humiliated and he kind of makes a deal with the devil which is Swan, to produce his musical if his girl can be the star and then he kind of double-crosses him and it's it's very creepy, but the music's great. It's over the top. The guy that plays Swan sings for um, William Finley, who plays um, Winslow and the Phoenix, um, but Paul Williams plays Swan. He originally was offered the part of Winslow, but he said, nah, I'm not really physically imposing because he's very... He's, he's not a very tall man, but Paul Williams, you may think you don't know who he is. I thought I didn't know who the hell he was. He wrote all the music for this movie, too, um, and sings for Winslow. But he wrote old-fashioned love song from Three Dog Night, like just an old-fashioned love song. That song, um, We've Only Just Begun by The Carpenters. Oh, he wrote yeah. that song, too. Um, and the one that really surprised me is The Rainbow Connection by Kermit oh. the Frog. So he, he's, among others, like David Bowie's played his music. The Carpenters played a lot of his music. Like, he's a very, very talented musician and songwriter. But it also, like, it's a whole, like, kind of commentary on how dirty the music industry is. And, like, it's got commentary on that. It's got a commentary on, like, people who sell out. Like, there's a band called the Juicy Fruits at the beginning, and they're, they're like, um, kind of like a greaser band at the beginning, and then they turn into, like, a Beach Boys band, and then they eventually turn into a goth rock band, and they just change. It's kind of like when the Beatles kept changing their image just to, like, keep up with the times, 
Like, they're kind of making fun of that. And uh, it's very cool. Like, and it's Brian De Palma turned up to 11. Like, it's very campy. And there's a lot of weird, like, angles. And I swear this movie should be a live... It should be a live action. Like, it should be a musical. Like, it should be a play. Because there's a whole bunch of scenes in the Paradise, which is... The Paradise is the concert hall that Swan builds. That the Phantom haunts, obviously. And, um... He, like, it would be cool, like, there's a bunch of scenes with audience interaction, and I'm like, you could do that as a play, and, like, because there's, like, a thrust stage in it, and I'm like, you could do that, that would be really fun. I mean, after COVID, of course, because now you wouldn't want to get that close to the audience, because everyone would be sick. Um, but, um, it's really good, I love it, it's just, like, a celebration of excess, and I really like De Palma. Uh, fun fact, Sissy Spacek actually was the stage dresser for this movie, before uh-huh. Carrie. And then Betty Buckley helped with vocals, and then she was also cast in Carrie. And it's also Nicolas Cage's favorite Brian De Palma film. Aww. Which I'm like, it's something we can agree on, Nicolas Cage. I really like it. Although Carrie, I like Carrie as a film better. I, I was surprised when I finally saw Carrie how much of like a high school romp it was about prom and a girl who didn't really like fit in. I was like, oh, this is just more like a high school story. And then it was like, oh, okay, now everyone's dying. Okay, yeah. uh, okay. But the yeah. beginning of Carrie's kind of just like, oh, this is like a, an after-school special. Oh, look, there's John Travolta. Ah. An after-school special, except her mom locks her in a prayer closet. And I mean, there needs to be after-school specials about that, because, like, you need to know that your mom should not lock you in a prayer and closet. They're dirty pillows. The dirty pillows. The dirty pillows. Oh, no. Everyone will see your dirty pillows, Carrie. By the way, I do have a lobby card of Carrie that I found at a vintage store that's from, like, the 70s. It was, like, hanging in one of the lobbies. It's, like, one of my favorite things I've ever found in a vintage store. It's hanging up. and You can't see it, but it's it's the best friend character getting pulled into the grave by Carrie. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Sue. 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 Sue Shell. Yeah, because Chris, yeah. Chris was the bad one. Chris was the bad girl. Yeah. Sue was also, the- there's the girl who is also in Halloween. Mm-hmm. And she also, I feel like she's the friend who's like boyfriend gets murdered and then Michael Myers has the sheet over his head. Oh, yeah. That girl. Oh, she's yeah. also in Carrie with the pigtails and the hat. And like yeah. one day I like did my hair like that and I was like, I'm really excited because that is my 70s aesthetic. I want to be that girl with the pigtails. And she's always chewing gum in the entire film of Carrie. Like, she's just always, like, just... She's, like, wearing a baseball hat at the prom and chewing gum. And I'm like, what is happening in this world? Why is she wearing a baseball hat? By the way, did you know Carrie was Stephen King's first published work? I did know that. And he almost threw it away. His wife kept him from throwing it away. Yeah, and also, I think, if I'm not mistaken, the book was written in 75, but the story takes place in 79. So it technically took place in the future at the time. No, 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 Yep. <laughs> Early Stephen King mischief. Yes. And that's Uh-oh. my, did you know, for the night. Did you know that this happened? Um. Yeah, I really like Phantom of the Paradise. I like Brian De Palma. I, I find him entertaining. I will say, I tried to watch... I can't remember what it was called, but it was some movie with, like, Rachel McAdams and Rooney Mara, I want to say. And, oh. I can't remember. and yeah. it was not great. Oh, but... they're, they're Jewish. No, I'm thinking of another one. That's I'm another so one. I think I know what you're talking about, though. 
but it was like it was basically like it was like passion. It's not passion though. Something like that. It's like a one word thing, but it was just kind of like I don't know. I feel like Brian De Palma peaked at some point and then kind of just doesn't really care anymore. Not not in a bad way, because I think he's a really good director, but I feel like he he thrived in the exploitation film era of like the 70s like scar and well i guess scarface was the 80s 90s it may have been early 80s now i always forget scarface is a de palma film by the way yeah and then i'm like oh it was weird um because it just seems so unlike all all of his other stuff yeah but um Uh, scarface was 83 so yeah i was like i knew scarface was either late 70s or early 80s yeah, but I love Brian De Palma. I, you know, he, he's got some really cool, like, creepy um, horror movies and, like, just thrillers. And he always does some, like, interesting, like, camera work and stuff. Um, oh, and the Untouchables. Untouchables made me cry the first time I saw it. Like, I saw it way too young. And my dad was like, yeah, I don't know if you should have seen this movie because it was really not... Not good for you to see. And he also did the original Mission Impossible. I forgot that. Yeah. Yeah. Passion's the movie you're talking about. And I was thinking about a completely, completely different movie that came out like two years ago. So. Oh, was it like the one with Rachel? Not Rachel McAdams, but the other Rachel? I thought it was Rachel Rachel Wise. Maybe. I don't know. But there's, she's like, she leaves the Jewish church because she falls in love with her childhood best friend. Yeah. Oh, I think it's Rachel Wise and Rachel McAdams. Okay, it? that's what maybe I'm thinking of. I haven't watched it yet, but I was like, oh, it looks interesting. But I haven't actually watched it yet. Because um, I feel like I saw it, like, I saw the trailer really early and then kind of forgot about it. And then I'm not really sure. I know what you're talking about, though. I was like, I like anything with Rachel Wise. She's a great actress. I love seeing okay. her and stuff. Um, But yeah, I like Brian De Palma. I, Phantom of the Paradise, it still kicks. It's But it's campy like that like it's not it is sad i do feel like you would have to add some more music for it to be like a full rock opera um but uh paul williams he's still around so he could still he did a concert special like not too long ago called paul williams is still alive or something (laughs) so like he's still around so he could still like make it he could still make some more music i think he's he's really cool and uh, the music's really good. I really like the music. It's very 70s. Um, I think my favorite is The Hell of It, which is like the fi- final. It's like the credit song. Um, that's the one thing it's missing. It's missing like a big finale number. Like it needs a big finale number. Um, and then I like Phoenix's song. Special to, special to me? Special to me. It's a good little song. Also, there's a weird part where like the Phoenix character, she just kind of like dances off stage this really dorky little dance and then she just kind of storms off and gets her hat and i don't know why but i like lost it and started laughing hysterically the first time i saw it it's very funny it's it's got a lot of character and the costumes are really cool so and it's a lot it's very colorful so if you like rocky horror this was kind of the precursor to rocky horror film wise and they've been writing it since the 60s so you know it, it really like is is kind of a precursor to rocky horror i do think rocky horror is more polished even though Rocky Horror after Time Warp gets real weird and just goes all over the place. Like, right before the finale is just, what the fuck's happening? But I do think Rocky Horror is a little more polished. 
But also, Rocky Horror was a play first, and they kind of had time to work out the kinks throughout the play, I think. I think this would have been better maybe if they'd kind of workshopped it a little bit more. Yeah. Because I think there's some stuff that, like, I'm like, oh, this is hilarious. But it moves pretty fast. Like, I was re-watching it, and I was like, it moves pretty fast. It's interesting. I didn't have to, like, I actually watched the whole thing all the way through instead of just watching highlights from it when I was trying to review it to see what I was going to talk about. So... Those were my five main ones. That one is on Shutter, by the way, if I didn't already say that. And my my sixth bonus one, I thought was on Disney Plus. It's not on Disney Plus, which is oh. a fucking shame because it was the first decom. It was the first Disney Channel original movie released in 1997. Suzy Q. Nope. Oh. That is not the first one. Okay. But I do love Suzy Q. This one and Suzy Q are both not on Disney Plus. For some god-awful reason. But it might be on YouTube if you find it. And I purchased it on Amazon Prime years ago. Along with a couple other Disney Channel original movies I like. Um, it's called Under Wraps. <gasps> I love Under Wraps! I do too. And it's, I rewatched it again this weekend. Because oh, I just love it so much. Um, Under Wraps is the story of three kids. Uh, Marshall... Amy, and I can't remember the dorky kid's name. Can't remember his name. And they're, they're like, scaredy cat friend. Marshall is a horror movie buff. And Amy's kind of, like, a badass, sassy 90s chick. Like, she just kind of is, like, she doesn't take anyone's shit. And she's taller than all the boys. And she's just like, fuck y'all. I love her. Um, Gilbert. Gilbert. And Gilbert's, like, a scaredy cat friend. They accidentally re like bring to life an ancient mummy sitting in somebody's basement. And then they have to try to find a sarcophagus before the end of Halloween. And it's like taking place the week of Halloween. And there's a lot of like monster movie references because Marshall is like a fan of monster movies. There's like a fake monster movie in the beginning. And the dad from Ethan Stevens is the dad in the fake movie at the beginning. And there's like a bookstore owner who's like into horror movies. Um, and then Marshall's dealing with, like, his mom's dating this guy named Ted, who's played by the guy who plays Marshall's dad in How I Met Your Mother, and also Patrick Starr's voice, um, who's, his name is uh, oh, Bill Fagerbach, Fagerbach, F-A-G-E-R-B-A-K-K-E, strange last name, he's a really, he's a treasure to the entertainment industry, though, um, his mom's dating that guy, but also, he also plays Harold the mummy, because they nickname him Harold. So, like, he plays both the dad, the stepdad-to-be, and Harold. And it's like Marshall kind of gets used to the mummy and gets used to, like, a father figure again. And then he'll eventually get used to his stepdad. It's very cute. So there's, like, an underlying, like, family-friendly message. But all the kids have all these sarcastic jokes. And, like, they're talking about bras and how stupid they are. Like, there's this great joke about... Um, they ask, like, what's celibacy? And someone's like, no chicks. And Gilbert is like, oh, I could never do that. And Amy's like, you'll get used to it. It's very, oh. like, sardonic and sarcastic. I love There's it. There's also a scene where it's like they're riding their bikes at night. And he's like, he's like, how'd you get dressed so fast? And she's like, I sleep in the nude. And, it's yeah, like, and he just crashes yeah. his bike. Yeah. It's great. And there's one where she was like, yeah, and my bra is, I'm not wearing a bra. I'm wearing a bulletproof vest. And Gilbert's like, you wear a bra? And it's just like, because they're like 12, 13, 13, yeah. 14. So they're just getting to like that age. 
And there's like kind of a cute little romance between Amy and Marshall, but it's not over the top romance. It's just kind of like, I have a crush on you. I have a crush on you too. Is it, is it me? There's a song that like, so the poor mummy is like sitting at the dance, like, Oh, being sad. And it's like, hello. Is it playing hello? Or is it no, playing- no, no. The song it's playing was made really famous by Bridget Jones's diary. It's the All By Myself oh, song, yeah. but it's oh, the male oh, version of it. Yes. All by myself. That song plays throughout the whole movie. Which, I, the only reason I can think it's not on Disney+, Plus as well as Susie Q, is they both have popular music in them. Like, they have very popular music. I wonder if it's the licensing because they are like the only two decoms that aren't on Disney Plus yet. And people are furious about it. Which I guess Susie Q's kind of a Halloween movie. I don't think it takes place during Halloween, but she's a ghost. Yeah, so it's maybe fall it's fall because school's back in session and stuff. So it is yeah. fall. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I would call Under Wraps as like a true like monster movie. It's kind of like if you saw Monster Squad, this is like a very toned down version of Monster Squad, but there's enough humor that's adult appropriate i feel like like i feel like there's enough humor that's like adult friendly that it's very entertaining to watch but you can still watch it with your kids like it because it was before they got too like stupid it's like when they were still putting effort into writing these disney channel original movies there's not a ton that i really think are elevated but this one and don't look under the bed and maybe The Color of Friendship, which I love The Color of Friendship. It's very sweet. Um, they're all kind of, like, giving you a, a second message. And they deal with some, like, rougher things going on. Those three, like, deal with some tough issues. Like, Color of Friendship is dealing with, like, racial prejudice. Um, and uh, Don't Look Under the Bed is, like, they talk about dealing with childhood cancer. And they talk about, like, growing up too fast. And, like... I love uh, under uh, don't look under the bed is also really good but under wraps is just like it's just fun enough and also the theme music makes me tear up because there's this really sweet moment towards the end and they play this that's like the the little theme that plays and every time I watch that movie I tear up just a little bit because it just gets my heartstrings and I don't know if it's nostalgia or what but I'm always just like Man, I can hear that that theme music, and I'm just like, oh, my heart, just oh. But it's okay because Marshall has a stepdad. It's cute. Uh, Under wraps. If you can find it, I think you can buy it on YouTube and Amazon Prime. Um, and I'm sure it's probably available somewhere. But unfortunately, it's not on Disney Plus yet to stream for free. I'm upset. Um, or Suzy Q. I think those are the two that everyone's furious about, and they were the two earlier ones. So I have a feeling it's probably, I, I have a feeling it's a licensing issue or they're just saving it for this Halloween season. Maybe. Oh, maybe. I don't know. I, I never understand why they don't have Disney channel original movies available. Like I understand like the old ones, but I'm like, but especially for a streaming service, I'm like, why, why have it temporary unless it's a licensing issue. That's what I never understand, but I really like under wraps um it's great it's got a lot of classic 90s humor there's a lot of actors you'll recognize in it too like the kid that plays gilbert was in a lot of stuff in television i haven't really seen the kids that play amy and marshall and that much stuff but a lot of the adults are also like people you'll recognize from television 
Um, but yeah, it's one of my favorite Halloween movies. And even my dad likes that movie. Like we used to watch it every Halloween because we taped it on VHS off of the Disney Channel. So I have it somewhere, commercials and all, on VHS. That's amazing. So, yeah, I still have a VHS player. And I, I'm trying to figure out which TV to get rid of because I don't think I can fit my big tube TV at my new place, like how my living room's situated. I'm like, do I keep the big one in my bedroom with my N64, my VHS player? Or do I keep the little one? I don't know which one to keep. So we'll see. Anyways, that was my list of what? some five movies. Woo! I don't know. They're not all going to be, uh, I guess they're not all going to be like my favorite Halloween movies, but I, they're streaming. And they're ones that I feel like a lot of people haven't seen and probably should have seen. So you should watch them. And do we want to choose which one you want to do or you want to think about it until next week? I think I want to think about it. Okay. Do some research. Okay. Not spoiler research. Just research. Um, but we wish you a happy Spooktober. Happy Spooktober. We are so excited. Tis is the most wonderful time of the year. Yeah. I love that Halloween ushers in Thanksgiving. I love Thanksgiving, by the way. Oh, I do too. I, do. I, I love, love cooking. Food. I love, yeah. food. love sleeping and taking a good nap after eating a lot of food is like, wow. So yeah, I like cooking. Like I want to be Martha Stewart, but I don't have the luxury of being Martha Stewart. Like I, I have to work, but I love cooking and baking for people. So like how, but I also love eating the food. So yeah. Thanksgiving is just like, I'm like, oh, it's a whole day of just about cooking and spending time with your family. I love it. And then Christmas. So, like, Halloween just starts, like, the best time of the year. Uh, I love it. And I love pumpkin spice lattes. And I've had probably, like, I've had, like, three already this year, if you count the one <laughs> I had tonight. And that's my coffee creamer now. They make a sugar-free pumpkin spice latte coffee mate creamer. By the way, if you're craving it, but you're trying to lose weight like I am, they have a sugar-free one, y'all. So uh, that's that was the, there was one week where they I, they didn't have it yet in stock, and I just was like, you know what? I'm just gonna maybe work out a little bit more and just have the regular kind. Um, but we're gonna let you guys go. We're actually ending pretty early for us, which I'm excited about. Uh, I think because we had more structure this time. Yes. Like one, two, three, four, five, and also we didn't want to give too many spoilers away. Yes. We'll eventually do a spoiler-filled review of one of these five movies and then one of Brit's picks so I'm excited so um we'll see you guys later subscribe rate us if you can and thanks for listening guys also I want to give some a shout out I forgot to do this a few weeks ago my friend Christy gave like and our friend Jenna I think gave us some really cute shout outs on Instagram thanks guys we love you guys and we appreciate the shout outs and also I can't wait till we get to refilm our episode on You Were Never Really Here with our friend Jonathan because I'm so heartbreaking about that. And I even made artwork for it. So nobody got artwork this week because I, we didn't have a movie. So we just did TV shows this week. So anyways, uh, we love you guys. We love Stay y'all. Stay spoopy, y'all. Stay spoopy, y'all. Take care. Be safe uh, during these trying times. Whether you're in the Northwest, whether you're in the South, just please uh, stay safe. Know your love and take care of yourselves. Wear a mask. Yes. The best part about Halloween is most costumes have a mask.
Yes. So there's gonna be a lot of doctors and nurses out there for Halloween costumes. So, yeah, well, you know. a lot of plague doctors this year too. Yes. But just just take care of yourself and take care of others. And if you can't wear a mask, stay home. Yeah. You know, just stay home and it'll be fine. Like, it'll be fine. You can do so many things online now. Amazon Prime is just a, a great service, y'all. Like, everyone, just get Amazon Prime. Okay, well, we, we love you guys. We'll love talk to you later. Bye. Good night, Brittany. Good night, Katie. Be safe. You too. Bye. Bye. The Grindhouse Girls podcast is a production by Katie Dale and Brittany Ray and edited by Katie Dale. All music used is royalty free and will be in our annotations. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions, please contact us at contact us at grindhousegirlspod.com or visit our website at grindhousegirlspod.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon.